With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the MMQB NFL Podcast. I'm Connor Orr, and boy do I have a surprise for you guys today. My old buddy, Dan Hansis from Around the NFL Podcast, NFL.com. We go way back, and obviously we're going to talk about the Jets today. That is part of our mutual shared history. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to it. We got him right here. Dan, what's up, buddy? How are hey. we doing? I am good, Connor. This is quite a treat because uh, we go way back, and I always love chopping it up with the great Connor Orr. So this is cool. Is it like um, in Dan from the Around the NFL podcast to then coming here, is it a little bit like being a starting pitcher for the Yankees and then having to do a few nights with the Trenton Thunder? The Hudson Valley Renegades come to mind for me, actually. <laughs> the Staten Island Ferry Hawks. No, I have incredible uh, respect, both for the Connor Orr brand and the Monday morning quarterback brand. So, you know, this is a pinch me situation all the way around. It was, it was funny, you know, um, we were talking off air about... Um, we were talking off air a little bit about the Grateful Dead, who I saw a couple weeks ago. And when I moved here and I started doing this podcast, I felt like there were a couple, like we had a segment of listeners that was there for Andy Benoit, who started this podcast. It was a very hardcore film podcast at one point. And then it sort of morphed and migrated as our lineup changed and everything. But it was funny when you could tell there was this, there's just a large slice of ATN listeners who, when they've exhausted all of your podcasts, it's just like, all right, I guess we got to go, like, we just got to get a little bit of ATN, but it's Connor and it's just this like little slice of it. And I love it. Uh, and I still hear from a lot of ATN listeners, which is like the best part of doing this. 
Yeah, like I do like a little offshoot podcast with my buddy Bob, the throwback podcast, and we have a lot of ATN listeners and it's just a, you know, it's not a great podcast. There's not a lot of work that goes into it. <laughs> it's an incredibly niche uh, discussion of uh, songs that were beloved by alternative rock bands that were born in exactly 1980. And yet we have a lot of listeners that just will follow the brand as it were. So it's pretty awesome. We have awesome listeners and they do. They are hardcore and I'm glad that they're on the ship here as well. For sure. So uh, you may know uh, that you're here to talk about the Jets, which is not surprising to you. Um, but I, I, I've done a couple Jets pods, but not, I feel like, what this is going to be, which is the consummate Jets fan pod of the offseason. And I want to get your reaction to how everything transpired, where you are mentally right now with this, because... You know, I, I feel like there is a mystique of the long-suffering Jets fan, and I feel like there is a reality of a group of people who actually genuinely care, who aren't performative about it, and who 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 really live the lifestyle. And you're you're that person in my eyes, and I, I want to know what this has been like for you. Yeah, I mean, I'm not like Vinny from Rego Park or whatever who um, lives in the mother's basement and and screams up for spaghetti while I study. Uh, depth charts and and <laughs> of that nature i've been able to have a normal life uh despite the misery of being a jet fan. and by the way while we're here connor uh, come back to us uh, i love your writing but you, that hit piece that <laughs> oh, hit you... piece on jets fans was oh. <laughs> that was i was on and i understood it you took you took another side of the uh the, the argument there and said that Jets fans haven't really suffered because we had a couple playoff runs. It's like, come on, my own. Like, what are we doing here? It has been the last 12 years. Um, let's accept the 30 years before that post Namath. You know, well, that's the other thing. I get this all the time from people that are like, Dan talks about the Jets too much, this and that. Why does Jets? He acts like the Jets. Jets won a Super Bowl. Like they, I didn't win a Super Bowl. I didn't win anything. What happened 53 Uh, years ago and the last 12 years. And you were there on the ground floor, Connor, for so much of it, which is why I was surprised and disappointed uh, for it. It wasn't just that the Jets have been bad for a dozen years. It's been they've been embarrassing. And there's been really low moments where the team really showed its ass. So I guess to kind of spin forward um, and we could work out our personal issues over that article, uh, if you wish, um, I I was kind of surprised to see ownership and management. And uh, it was a delicate dance uh, coming out of the Zach Wilson debacle here. And you had to kind of get everything right um, from you know January first to April twenty fourth, and they did. And I, I yeah. and I, I know the Rogers thing could not work out. That is absolutely within the range of outcomes. But I am, as many Jets fans, all in to see if it could because they have surprisingly built up this really strong roster over the last two years, and it was not easy to make all this come together. And they did. Um, right down to bringing Nathaniel Hackett in. Like everything that they did kind of did click and help to make this a reality. So for those of you who don't know the article that Dan is referring to, we had we had like a month to prepare our Aaron Rodgers package to go live the second that this signing was was truly consummated. And so uh, my boss was like, think about what you'd want to write the moment like during the greatest moment in modern Jets fan history. And so I just thought it would be really funny 
to <laughs> to just light a match and just throw it onto a, a bale of dry hay. And my point was, like, <laughs> you guys don't have it as bad as you thought. Woody Johnson has been taking care of you for decades. Oh, he uh, is. And, oh, what? <laughs> I mean, I feel like I'm wrapped up in a warm blanket in the Woody Johnson era. I was like, quit your bitching because Rex Ryan, the Rex Ryan thing was cool as shit. And you guys, you guys, I remember leaving when I covered that team, walking out of the stadium at night and just seeing fans that were just floating above the concrete. Like they were, they, they had a new identity. They were just emboldened by this man. And I was like, you know what? Like the Lions never had that. I was like, it's not that bad. And now you get Aaron Rodgers. I don't want to hear about it. You know, the time. I mean, that was a lot has happened since. I mean, I think you got married. You had children. You have a mortgage. A lot has happened <laughs> since those two Rex Ryan years that they were very fun. The headline, by the way, as I pull it up. Unbelievable. In wake of Aaron Rodgers trade published literally the day the trade happened. <laughs> Jets fans shouldn't feel as tortured as they claim to be. Okay. You know what it as is, we though? claim to be. You you know though because you grew up in the area that I now live and there is a there's a whole cottage industry of performative Jets fandom. There is. Okay. Okay. And and there are like I said at the, in the beginning there are people like you who actually live the ups and downs, not to a disturbing degree where I would worry about you or I would ask you to seek professional right. help. You know, you're not um um video from guy, Rigo Park. Yeah, you're not the guy in a fan's notes where you're gonna end up in a mental institution, <laughs> right. you know. But um but you live you 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 go for the ride. And I think that there are the people who just who live to call WFAN on like a week three Wednesday and be like, we need to fire Robert Sala because the pain uh, waking up every day tortures me for this franchise. And it's like, well, then go for a bike ride. You know, yeah. like th there has to be something that you can do for yourself that 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 doesn't involve this sort of I don't know. I, I keep going back to the word performative. It, it, it feels like it's just like part of your personality that you adopted and you wore. You never struck me as that. You, yeah, I feel like it's authentic. I and I think the protagonist in fans notes was a Giants fan. And uh, so, yes, I mean, it's part of New York fandom. And the thing is, and this is some people aren't aware of this. I know, for instance, we have a lot of overseas listeners that don't know the full dynamics of American sports fandom. A lot of Jets fans are also Mets fans and a lot of Jets and Mets fans are also Knicks fans. And mm -hmm. if you've been if you were born, you know, after, let's say, 1970 or so, uh, or let's say even closer to when. I was born, which was 1980. You know, you don't even remember the Mets World Series in 86. And uh, you remember some nice Knicks runs, including now they're they're a more entertaining team. Uh, the Jets have not been back to the Super Bowl famously since Joe Namath. And there's been, yes, some playoff uh, dances along the way. But they've, uh, you know, they've won the division. I always like this stat about the Jets. Um, they've won the division once. Um <laughs> uh, since the league merged in 2000, uh, twice, excuse me, in 1998 and 2002. That's two times. They haven't done it since 2002. It is kind of my, my clock is right and my calendar is right. It's almost 2024. So, <laughs> you know, that the, the melodrama that comes from a New Yorker on, on sports fandom 
Uh, they didn't. This is the same group of fans that didn't get all the Giants glory with yep. Eli and LT that didn't get all the Yankees glory uh, throughout the decades. Um, so I kind of becomes this bigger thing. And it almost beca- I think it drives some of the fan base crazy. I'm like a weird hybrid things. My dad's from the Bronx and uh, grew up a a Mantle fanatic and then came to the Jets when Namath hit. So I'm a Yankees Jets fan. OK, so I've had the ability to. Uh, enjoy some of the high life of being a pro fan. And that's been able to mitigate some of the Mets and Knicks fandom that I, that I have to process, but there are people out there that have had nothing but misery for the most part. And that's why I kind of defend some of those people. And maybe I'm a little triggered by that headline because I know those fans (laughs) that you're attempting to rile up are also watching the Mets 17 games out of first place with the highest payroll of all time. And the Knicks, you know, not having won a title in 50 years themselves. It's tough out there. Sometimes you write something that is a little tongue in cheeky and you're expecting to have fun with it. And that was not the right time to publish that, because if you read the comments, it's all just, you know, it's just F you. It's just like people were were not having fun with it. They were not reading it for the art of it and trying to digest sort of the tongue in cheekness of it. They were just like, F you, dude. Like, that's not funny. And you know what? I thought I think it ultimately it was a success for that reason. But there is a defensiveness to myself as a Jets fan. I will admit that freely uh, that you always feel like people love to put the pie in your face and are waiting to put the pie in your face. Um, And so when you see an article like that and a lot of the talk around the trade for people that are naysayers, oh, they gave up way too much. Oh, my God. Rogers is over the hill. This is going to be the greatest disaster since Brett Favre, which wasn't even really a disaster. It wasn't. Um, um, you put all those things together and there is a defensiveness as well. Like, just let us have this moment. And, you know, we, we promise we won't be annoying if we win one Super Bowl. We will definitely be annoying. <laughs> the uh, So when I was in Pittsburgh, the, when the Jets lost the AFC title game to the Steelers, mm. there was the whole weekend and, you know, we were out in a couple different places and these mobs of Jets fans would come around. And to your point, it was absolutely annoying. And what they would do is they would sing the song that was, and they were all just drunk. And it was, here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. The Jets are going to the Super Bowl. And like, but it wasn't just one group of people. It was like, they would all just sort of band together and they would all pick up the song and, by the end of the weekend, we were like, this team can't. And I remember being with Jenny Ventus and we covered the team together. And we were there at halftime at Heinz Field booking flights to the Super Bowl. Like, I, I think it was in Dallas, I want to say. Dallas yes, or New Orleans? Yes, that was the, was the, Dallas? the Pittsburgh Green Bay Super Bowl. Yep, ironically. Yeah. And we were we were booking, booking flights to the Super Bowl. And I was like, can you imagine what this place is going to be like? Um but I, I, I think it's an earned annoyingness. And I'm, I want to, you know, like when the doctor in the office taps at stuff to see if your leg kicks, I'm, I want to see if this, uh, this kind of hits anything in terms of Jets Phantom. I think that the, the trigger point, if I were to go on a deep sort of Freudian journey here, is <laughs> that when the Giants are successful, there is a haughtiness to it. And their first instinct is always to pivot and to compare the way that they do things. I, I, mm. I don't know if that's part of the underlying tension, but I feel that as a human being, you know, like, um, uh, you know, whenever there was someone who did things the right way or whatever, right. and, you know. Uh, same way, like I, same way. Like, I remember the last, um, uh, my last high school uh, football game, we were winning and um, they were letting kids play weird positions, you know, 
and I had played my whole, you know, since fifth grade. And I was like, Hey, can I go in and play running back or whatever? And another kid on the team pulled me aside and he goes, this is for the guys that really, you know, put the work in. Um, <laughs> and that to me, like in that moment, I'm the jets and he's the giants. Right. And, <laughs> and we both put the work in, we both feel it. We're both trying it in a different way. And it just, I feel like that's how they sting you. That's like the little, that's the little needle point, you know? Yeah. And I think maybe the, um, ultimate in that is since we brought it the Rex Ryan era, the kind of unofficial end of the Rex Ryan era was the Jets versus Giants. I think it was a Christmas, Christmas Eve game Eve. Um, where the Giants had their backs against the wall. It was basically a play in game for both teams in week mm -hmm. 16, I want to say. And uh, the Jets, you know, were struggling a lot on offense at that point with Mark Sanchez. The wheels have fallen off a little bit, um, but they had the Giants. They had him in a good position. They had him backed up on the one yard line and and uh, what happens? Victor Cruz, Eli Manning on a slant. He gets away bad angles by the safeties and he goes 99 yards to the house. The Giants win and they never lose again and they win the Super Bowl. <laughs> and I think that season for the Jets, if I'm not mistaken, ended um, in Miami with Santonio Holmes being kicked out of the huddle. And really, that was the turning point. The Jets, all of a sudden, if you're, you were a Jets fan after the highs of the Rex era that had the back to back a AFC title games, all of a sudden, the Jets were kind of the laughing stock, and of course, the Giants win the Super Bowl and beat the Patriots that year. The team uh, that the Jets the previous year vanquished in the playoffs, and it felt like it was the time. And once again, you were relegated to little brother status. You, you know, you played in their building for twenty five years, Giant mm -hmm. Stadium, as you know, renting that building. So the Giants are, have always been the Tiffany franchise, and uh, the Jets fans. There's there's a lot of that Freudian psychosis that we have to deal with. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast. To start listening. Here's what I like about the Jets offseason, and I'm curious. I in in defense, because here's sometimes I do this. Like last year, I wrote before the season that Justin Fields should request a trade, and then I spent the entire year sort of trying to back my way into good graces with Bears fans again. So I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to do this with the Jets and remind everybody that there were some nice things that I said, including, and I'm curious if this was your take too. Even if they didn't get Aaron Rodgers, I thought that getting Nathaniel Hackett and signing Al Mazard, which to the outside world were all pieces of this puzzle, I thought even if you didn't get them, those were things that smart franchises do. I thought those were really good moves. I thought Nathaniel Hackett's a great offensive coordinator. If you remove him from the Russell Wilson situation, I think things go very differently in Denver. Um, and Al Mazard you need him to run that offense. Like there are only five or six receivers in the NFL who block and he's one of them. And uh, I, I thought those were like just genuinely smart things to do without the promise of Aaron Rodgers, which is to me when I thought things were going in the right direction. Yeah, I thought those were good moves. They were seen. Um, and again, that defensiveness of of Jets fans, because it was the report that got out there or was put out there that Aaron Rodgers had put out a demands list and, you know, certain people are on them, including Alan Lazard. Um, but at the same time, they're the roster. And I think it's part of what you're getting at, especially with Garrett Wilson. And I have an article going up on NFL.com superstar club. Um, and I was talking, I didn't put Garrett Wilson in it because you kind of got to show it all the way to get into it. But he's knocking on the door and he's got a great setup. I really like the roster all the way around. And I thought this team was a playoff team with Derek Carr as well, who obviously was their their fallback plan was that your second choice that would have been my second choice would have been Carr. and uh actually i'm going i'm flying back east to uh to jersey uh connor um next week and we're actually going to dine me and my buddy i have a close couple friends that live in summit we're going to dine at the italian restaurant where sala and douglas and hackett took Derek Carr, uh which is at the bottom of a in downtown summit there's a uh really like a um a God tier Elks Lodge. Like yes. you got to see that. Have you been there? 
I know. What's the Italian restaurant though? What's it? What's the oh, I are you allowed to say it? I no, I could say it. people could look it up because it was you know reported on when uh, it happened. I can't remember the name, but uh, I will be dining at that establishment. Uh, I don't know why I brought that up. Uh, maybe just to share my Jersey bona fides with you. But I want to say that Carr, I think, would have been a good addition. All they needed was somebody with some level of professionalism at the quarterback position, which they didn't <laughs> have last year. Um, and they're a playoff team. But Rodgers lifts the, the the whole thing. I think if Rodgers can, can play at a high level, this is a potential Super Bowl team. And, like, I'm not making any guarantees, Joe Willie style, but, like, do you agree? Do you see this team as, like, a legitimate Super Bowl contender, or is it more kind of like a pipe dream for a fan base that's about to do the Charlie Brown thing? Uh, no, because I don't, I don't want that to happen. Um, and it, it, as proof of your sort of range of outcomes theory, so I, I do, I predict all 272 games, um, before the start of every year. And then we run it in the magazine and everyone makes fun of me and whatever, whatever. It's a good time. <laughs> That's great. But I have, I have them finishing the year at nine and eight, which I know is going to be like a tough thing, mm. but I need to see, I need to see Aaron Rodgers, sans thumb injury. Sands calf injury. I need to see what that looks like for me personally before I can completely and fully jump on board with it. But I think this is absolutely potentially a 12 win football team too. There's no doubt. Now, is it also a, a five win football team? I don't think so. I think that eight is the basement for this team for me. I think that oh. is the absolute worst case scenario. Um, I, man, if they went nine and eight and, and that didn't get them in the playoffs and, that would that would be a, a colossal disappointment, obviously, because I think, um, you know, there's so much urgency for the organization to end this this playoff drought. And if if that if they fall short of that, and then you go into an off season not knowing if Rodgers is back, that's pretty cl- that's pretty close to a worst case scenario. Like I I don't need the Jets to win the Super Bowl or or even get to the Super Bowl to say this season is success, but I do need them to post double digit wins. I need them to get to the playoffs. I need them to be competitive in the playoffs. Uh, perhaps win a game. I would I would you know get me to the divisional round and then let's just like roll the dice and see what happens. I think that would. That would be a marker that this was the right move to do. I think anything less, and the, even the Jets internally would say to you, like, well, the Jets will definitely internally be worried about it because I think Robert Sala would lose his job if they don't make the playoffs this year. What? Let me present this scenario to you. Nine and eight this year. Woody Johnson begrudgingly holds on. Um, Ten and seven the following year in a playoff berth and maybe like a wild card loss or whatever. And that's how the Aaron Rodgers era ends. But the following year, like you quietly extend Zach Wilson and the following year, Zach Wilson emerges a new person in the shadow of Aaron Rodgers's tutelage and starts like a five year stretch of play where he's, I don't know, um, like Ryan Tannehill plus plus. So you're like the new Titans where you're tough to play you're like a number one seed once every couple of years. You're maybe you know you're in the mix as a what you would consider to be just a con- consistently smart and competitive franchise. Would you take that? I <laughs> uh, see now we're really going into dreamland because that's the one place I can't go with this whole situation, even to the point where the Zach I'm Wilson deep- thing. Yeah, I'm deeply uncomfortable. Zach Wilson is the number two quarterback, um, which the Jets seem to be rolling forward with just because you do have a a nearly 40 year old quarterback. And, you know, God forbid uh, Aaron Rodgers strains his calf in week two. 
Wilson's out there and he was not ready on any level last year. And maybe this another offseason with Rogers there and Rogers seems to be, you know, being a respectful guy to this this kid that looked up to him. He will emerge as a better player if he played this year. Um, but I just I don't know. It just feels like a sunken cost with Wilson and and a bit of a pipe dream to say, OK, now we're going to put him into um the background and he'll emerge after Aaron Rodgers as a, a quarterback. Would I take that? No, I don't think I would sign off on that. Mm. It would have to be, I need a big season. One of these next two years, uh, preferably right now, I need a big <laughs> jet season where I'm like, hell, maybe I'm flying back to New York to watch the game with my jet and with my dad. And we're like talking big picture. We're getting to the final four. If we win this game, like that, mm. I need that moment in the next two years, and then we'll figure out when the bill comes due post Rogers uh, if if Wilson can play the guitar or just go in a different direction. But no, I, I I'm dreaming bigger here with Rogers, and I think all Jets fans are. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing dirty sports scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up as well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
the Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. How do you compare this to, because you analyze the NFL, like me, for a living, and every summer, every spring and summer, there is a team that goes for it, and um, I I used to make fun of this a lot until I realized that uh, Greg Rosenthal, your uh, your buddy, and, uh, yep. well, my my buddy, I love Greg, um, uh, my former boss at uh, NFL Network, but I, I would make fun of the people who every spring were like, Jalen Ramsey plus Vic Fangio? Unstoppable, <laughs> you know? And we didn't know how this was going to go. The Jets, I feel like, are that team this year. So how how do you separate your Oof. analyst hat from your fan hat? And do you think, like, if you weren't mm. a Jets fan, how would you interpret this offseason? Are the Jets that team? I, I kind of well, hope they're not. Here's, here's what I'm... I don't think so. I think... Um, I don't think so because, like I said, I thought Lazard and Hackett, um, Zach Aziani at wide receivers, by the way, best wide receivers coach in the NFL. Um, mm. uh, I think it was the only person that I can ever remember who was retained by three separate head coaches. How good do you have to be at your job? For this? West Hoffian, you have to be. You have to be West Hoffian. You're yeah. right. Who's somehow um, back in the league again, which is amazing. He's incredible. like 140 years old. I saw him at the combine a couple of years ago and I asked him what he was doing and he said he was sitting on his back porch in some palatial Florida beachfront estate and he was throwing coconuts at crocodiles. Like he's like crocodiles have come up on my property and he's like, I saw I just take coconuts and throw them at their heads. I was like, you're just God level human. We, um, we had a bad aside. <laughs> I'll, I'll let it go. We had him on the show last year and, and, when we asked him what everybody else asked him about him, like trashing Belichick after the interview was over, he was mad that we didn't dive deeper on his book. And I was like, okay, I, I get it, Mike. You want to talk different <laughs> things in that book. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk to you about the, I want like he, when we covered the jets, the best thing every Thursday he would talk and he would say uh, that they almost broke a kickoff return for a touchdown. <laughs> he'd be like, he'd be like, Cromartie almost had that one. And uh, he's like, he's like one, one block away for that one. We, we almost had a touchdown there, but it was every week. And it, you know, in, in his mind, he's got 18 re- kickoff returns for a touchdown. But so if you remove your fan hat, like I said, I don't think so because I think the moves that they were doing were smart generally. But how does the Jets offseason, where does it separate itself from the DNA of that team that I'm talking about, right? Where, you know, that that let's load up on stars, let's do this, let's make a big splash. How? Where do the Jets dovetail in your mind from that? I would say, because, you know, everybody... I started covering the NFL in 2010, and I remember like the dream team, for uh, yeah. example, the Eagles of 2011. I remember. I was Nambi, at that press conference. Right. That, um, what, the Vince Young press conference when he uh-huh. said that? Yeah. yeah that I was, was sitting that was right rough. in front of him. Wild. That, that was wild. Uh, I remember that summer, the cornerback uh, for the Raiders, uh, Namde Asamoa, he was. He was um, a free agent, and it came down to the the Jets or the Eagles, and 
the Jets were being hyped up at the time. He went to the Eagles, and that was like the final piece of this. And of course, that season ended with like me, you, and I don't know if you were with NFL by that point, but writing articles about Namdi eating lunch alone in his car in the parking lot at Eagles headquarters. Um, <laughs> but like that team was an example of they acquired a bunch of pieces and they were they were saying, okay, it's all there now. Let's make it go. And then the Jets are different from that type of team or even like the Broncos, for instance, of last year, where it was mm-hmm. like, there's a nice core here. Um, it hasn't really clicked. We haven't really seen it work on offense yet, but here comes uh, Russell Wilson and he's an established pro and he's going to make this whole thing come together. Uh, the Jets, we've seen it on offense with Brees Hall when he was an absolute monster before the ACL tear. And we'll see if he's healthy. I still think Dalvin Cook uh, would make sense for this team. We'll see Ooh. what happens with Cook. Um, Garrett Wilson exploded last year um, and, and showed that he has superstar potential. Lazard is a proven asset who is now playing with the same quarterback in the same offense uh, with Aaron Rodgers, who's a superior quarterback. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is one of the greatest quarterbacks who's ever lived. So let's start there. That's the guy that came in here. The defense was, by all metrics, a top five unit uh, last year, and it's mostly intact coming back. The coaching staff on that side of the ball is back. So it's kind of like a, they proved they were they were the truly, and this is why there was so much logic to the move. Like, has any team ever felt more their one quarterback away than the Jets of last year. And now they went and got the best quarterback ever, or one of the best with a big chip on the shoulder coming out of Green Bay. Um, it just feels like they're not going to the, fall in the way the other overhyped summer teams have. And I think it's also helped a little bit that there is some pushback externally. It's not like everyone's saying the Jets are going to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I know Bill Barnwell, who's, uh, you know, we, we, I respect his writing. Like he has the Jets finishing last place, which is, you know, a little extra Does to me, really? but yeah. Wow. Um, but there's, there's a lot of competition in that conference, obviously, and a lot of great teams uh, to the point where not everyone's saying jets to the Super Bowl. They're just now, I think from a wide public uh, lens seen as a, a contender, which feels fair. And it kind of keeps the hype down just a little bit. So I think, and maybe this is, yes, this is the fan invading this a little bit. I don't feel like that pressure will be at the same level um, as some of these teams that have bombed in the past. I remember you, um, I would fly out to LA and we would uh, tape the draft podcast together. And I remember you making fun of Mark Sessler and I, who at the time we were Browns fans. Is Mark still a Browns fan? You're going to have to have that conversation with him privately and maybe get an honest answer. I can't, I can't speak to that. We are, we're, we're done uh, here at, uh, in New Jersey at the the Mark on the record on the podcast is also out as a Browns fan. Okay. Um, but I remember us uh, uh, hyping up the Cam Irving draft uh, in particular, and you like were behind us, and you were like noting some of the things that we were saying, and then quoting it on the podcast about like our hopeful fandom. I'm very happy for you because this is so different, right? Where Mark and I were like, "Oh, Cam Irving is going to really round out this offensive line, and maybe we could, maybe we could be seven and you know seven and nine. And you're just like, "Oh my God, Aaron Rodgers, we're going to make the freaking Super Bowl." <laughs> Here's what I'll leave you with, and I'm going to do one of my favorite things in the world, which is project my theories onto other people and see if they agree with me. Okay. This is why I think it's ultimately going to succeed, and I need a yes or no from you. Aaron Rodgers, to me, has so many big plans post-NFL that depend on him repairing whatever legacy he left behind in Green Bay in some way, shape, or form. So you go to the biggest media market in the world – 
you are a complete and total model citizen, you resurrect a dying franchise, and then you walk off into the sunset to be able to do whatever you want in life. I think that is so much more appealing to someone than, say, going, um, what's the quarterback's name in the replacements? Martell, and just completely souring the whole batch of apples and and kicking and screaming and stomping your feet. I absolutely love that theory, Connor. Because and I buy into it. I think it's been it's worked out for the Jets, but it's also you know it's Rogers really being all about Rogers ultimately. You know, whether it's getting the haircut and being clean cut and showing up to every practice and then going to every major sporting and culture event. Uh, in New York City and the surrounding area like that is exactly the dream scenario for the Jets how they want this to look it's so much different than Brett Favre uh, 15 years ago but it's also Rogers it's about Rogers and it's about what he's trying to project of himself and what he's trying to send back to Wisconsin to kind of stick it to them and like if we are the vessel for Rogers to kind of do what he needs to do for Aaron Rodgers both now and to the future like Go for it, bud. Like, use us how you wish and, and discard us when you want, but just get another trophy back in that case in the lobby, you know? What is my favorite um, Jets fan, Dan's dad, Keith Hansis, who I had the pleasure of meeting at the Super Bowl this year, yes. by the way? How is he um, How's he doing with, the, with all this? How has he compartmentalized um, everything? That reminds me of, like, we had a... Um, like a failed trip together to a um, bar on the outskirts of Phoenix that led to a long walk back to the hotel uh, with uh, my cousin, uh, my father uh, and the two of us. We and- went to a place with, so, you know, for anyone who hasn't been to a Super Bowl, right? The downtown is almost always the worst place to be consistently because everything gridlocks. The good restaurants have been reserved out months in advance and so we meet at this trendy-ish place that has a barbecue food truck that has pulled up alongside of it. And I don't know if you know this, but I was I was starving. And so I walk over, and while I'm waiting for you to get there, I walk over to the food truck, and this guy is coming away with a half-eaten tray of barbecue, and he just hands it to me. And he says, this is the most disgusting thing I've ever eaten in my life. And then I thought that was funny. And then so I went in to share it with some of the mixed company that I was in, one of whom was best friends with the person who owned the restaurant. And so I was just immediately, I, I, you know, I I couldn't have been lower in that moment. And uh, it it was a failed excursion, but they always say there's, you know, there's silver lining and everything. And the silver lining was getting to hang out with Keith, Keith Hansis and... I was actually thinking about this the other day. I hope he was impressed with my knowledge of the band Chicago because we we went deep on Chicago. We talked Chicago oh, yeah. for a little while. Oh yeah, yeah. My uh, my the band Chicago. You said the band Chicago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Color my world is uh, Keith and Deb's uh, wedding song as they just celebrated Ooh. their forty eighth anniversary. Happy anniversary. Um, gotta love that horns rock with a bunch of like uh, guys with beards and you know soft bellies. <laughs> you know that's the Chicago experience. Uh, my dad. Um, has always had a, um, the same an attitude about Rodgers. Like, Danny, he's a great player, but he's arrogant. Like, he's always <laughs> said that about Rodgers for years. But like every Jet fan, like I was always gung-ho about Rodgers coming to the Jets, but my dad represented a portion of the fan base that before it happened was like not a big fan of Rodgers, the, the person uh, or the media construct. But as soon as the deal happened and Rodgers fell into line for what we were just talking about earlier, 
my dad, like every other Jet fan alive, was all in on Rodgers. He had, Danny, this guy could be the difference maker. You know, like he, so my dad <laughs> quickly got on the train with every other Jet fan and he's very excited as well. I'm, I mean, you know, I complain, but, you know, my dad is, is, uh, since, you know, 69 when he watched it as his aunt, uh, Chacha Irene's in, uh, in the Yonker and Yonkers, like he has not seen a Super Bowl either in 50 years. So, like, there's been a long, a long wait here for for all of us, and maybe this is the end. And by the way, that restaurant, I'll leave you with this, Connor. The restaurant in Summit, New Jersey, where Derek Carr was wined and dined before signing with the Saints. Fiore, uh, Fiorini, Fiorino Restaurante. It's a, tus- a Tuscan-inspired Summit mainstay for over 30 years. And if you see me there in the next couple of weeks, say hello. Danny, love you, buddy. Thank you so much for coming on, and uh, we'll do this again soon. Sounds great, pal. The MMQB NFL podcast is produced by Shelby Royston. Mark Mravik is the emeritus editor of the MMQB, Super Bowl champion Andy Benoit, and rec league basketball three-point assassin Gary Gramling are the founders of the MMQB NFL podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this feed on Apple Podcasts. And once you do, leave a rating and review because it really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.